If you would stand up on your feet once again and let's uh, come into agreement in prayer about uh, this evening and the rest of the evenings. I uh, am so pleased to see you here and know that you uh, value the word in your marriage. I believe it's a wise man and woman that'll invest their time into their marriage. You know, faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word on healing doesn't necessarily give you faith for marriage. You need to hear the word on that subject, in that area. And uh, the Lord's directed us to have a special time where that's what we do. So release your faith with me. Let's believe together right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're believing you and asking you for everybody, every one of us, ears that can hear clearly, eyes that can see distinctly, and hearts and minds that can understand. Lord, we're asking for utterance, precise, complete, exactly uh, Lord, if you were here in the flesh, whatever you would say, we want it to come out just like that. And we're asking for it and agreeing together is touching this thing. And we're saying, Lord, have free course in our midst by your wonderful, precious, Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, let him move in hearts and minds and bodies and lives and families. Let him manifest your power and grace and goodness and get glory to yourself. And for every good thing that comes out, we'll give you the praise. We'll give you the thanks. And whatever you show us to do, we purpose in our hearts not to be hearers only, but to receive it and do it. And we know as we do, we will be blessed because you are faithful to watch over your word and perform it when we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. You can be seated. Would you go with me in the scripture this evening to the book of Malachi, the second chapter of Malachi. Malachi 2, second chapter, Malachi If you don't know where Malachi is, just go to Matthew and start backing up. It won't take long, you'll be there. Malachi 2. And we'll begin reading in verse 13. And I'm reading from the NIV. NIV. He said, another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. Verse 14, you ask, why? Why? It is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth because you have broken faith with her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage Covenant. Everybody say marriage covenant. covenant. Verse 15. 
Has not the Lord made them one in flesh and spirit? They're his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. Verse 16. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. You believe that? Well, if he hates it, how should you feel about it? I hate divorce, says the God of Israel, and hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in your spirit that you do not break faith. I want to read the Amplified translation of this. Amplified. And uh, we'll start again at verse 13. He said, this you do with double guilt. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears. Shed by your unoffending wives, divorced by you that you might take heathen wives. And with your own weeping and crying out because the Lord does not regard your offering anymore or accept it with favor at your hand. Now I believe the Amplified touches on something that may not be as obvious, reading some other translations, he's really talking about two sets of tears on the altar. Two people crying and their tears falling on the altar and that implies praying to God and while they're praying, crying because of their distress and their pain. One is that of a marriage partner who's been hurt, who's been betrayed. And the other are the tears of the one that did the betraying or treachery, that now their offerings are not being received and their prayers are not being heard. Can you see this? Two, Two sets of tears. Verse 14. He says, yet you ask, why does he reject it? Talking about their offering. Because the Lord was witness to the covenant made at your marriage. Everybody say covenant. Covenant. Made at your marriage. marriage. The Lord sees marriage as covenant. And we have not been strong enough on this. You'll hear it referred to at times, talked about, And kind of said lightly or in passing covenant marriage, uh, covenant of marriage, marriage covenant. But no, friend, we need to put heavy emphasis on the covenant part of marriage. As far as God's concerned, marriage is covenant. And he went on to say uh, he was witness at the uh, covenant made at your marriage between you and the wife for your youth against whom you have dealt treacherously and to whom you were faithless yet she is your companion in the wife of your covenant made by your marriage vows again covenant emphasized did not God make you and your wife one flesh did not one make you and preserve your spirit alive? And why did God make you two one? Because he sought a godly offspring from your union. Therefore take heed to yourselves and let no one deal treacherously and be faithless to the wife of his youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel says, I hate divorce. 
and marital separation, and him who covers his garment uh, with, with violence. Therefore, keep a watch upon your spirit, that you may deal not treacherously and faithlessly. These words, treacherously and faithlessly, are ways of saying you have broken the covenant. The New Century Version. I want us to read this as well. New Century Version, NCV, verse 13. It says, this is another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears. You cry and moan because he does not accept your offerings and is not pleased with what you bring. You ask why. They say, why, Lord, won't you receive my offerings? Why won't you receive my prayers? He said, it's because the Lord sees how you treated the wife you married when you were young. You broke your promise to her, even though she was your partner and you had an agreement with her. God made husbands and wives to become one body and one spirit for his purpose so that have children who are true to God. So be careful. Do not break your promise to the wife you married when you were young. The Lord God of Israel says, I hate divorce. And the NCV brings out uh, some of the main reasons why he does. And I hate people who do cruel things. As easily as they put on clothes, says the Lord All-Powerful. So be careful to do not break your trust. Why does the Lord hate divorce? Because of the pain. Because of the damage. Because of the cruelty. Uh, You know, people talk about so-and-so, you know, got divorced. What about it? Oh, it was ugly. What does that mean? That means people got cruel. They begin to do things on purpose. To hurt each other. Doing what they could. To damage and, and take away from the other person. This is cruelty. And this is hate. And this is total selfishness. When, when folks get into these modes and just, you know, day and night trying to figure out how they can get them. And how they can get on back. How many understand this has got nothing to do with God. And nothing to do with love. And God hates it. Because people are so hurt. Wives are hurt. Husbands are hurt. Children are hurt. Grandchildren are hurt. Co-workers are hurt. Friends at church are hurt. The pain. God hates it. And I know that there's a lot of people in the building right now, people watching by internet, you've been through a divorce and you can attest to the pain and and some that have uh, been divorced more than once and remarried and some on their second, third, fourth marriages and and, uh, don't want you to have any condemnation about the past. Some folks did some things before they ever got saved and and some people did some things uh, After they got saved. But the Lord forgives. Doesn't he? He forgives. And he uh, cleanses and washes. He said their sins and their iniquities. I will remember no more. So if he doesn't remember them. You can forget them too. You can put them behind you. But we're talking about now. We're talking about now. How we see marriage now. And what we're doing now. 
Maybe in some times past you you didn't know uh, what you should have known. And you didn't see or you were thinking wrong or believed wrong. But uh, you have come to the Lord. And you are getting some word in you. And some faith in you. And do you want to see this the way God sees it? And understand from him how he would have us to handle things. And deal with things. Now the scripture says, you don't have to go there, but in 1 Corinthians 7, much there about marriage in the New Testament, but he talks about uh, people, married people, having trouble in the flesh. He said, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. And uh, flesh and trouble go together. (laughs) The more flesh, the more trouble. (laughs) And the more spiritual and the less flesh, the less trouble. Now, there's no such thing as becoming spiritual. I'm talking about godly spiritual. No such thing as becoming more spiritual without growing up. And there's no such thing as growing up and becoming more spiritual without growing in love. Growing in God is growing in love, for God is love. And uh, the reason he has instructed us with what he has from his word and told us the way to do things is all from love. He would spare us the pain. I said he would spare us. You know, uh, as people of God, we don't have to have the trouble other people do. Now we're, we're, we haven't fully developed and, and we're still growing and so there's little things that you'll have to deal with and work through but you don't have to have the knock down, drag out, cuss out, furniture breaking stupidity. Come on, are you listening? That the world does nor do you have to have the uh, protracted cold war that so many have we're children of God we got the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit we got faith and the spirit of faith we should be overcomers and we should be growing up becoming more spiritual And having less trouble. Why? Because there's just less flesh. For the devil to mess with. And cause us problems. Say it out loud. More flesh. More trouble. Less flesh. Less trouble. You want less trouble? Huh? Then what do we need? From who? Yeah, me, me is the correct answer. Me. <laughs> Do you believe you could grow and develop where there's less flesh domination about in your life? Yes, yes. Now, uh, I want us to, to camp on this passage a little bit and the, the meaning of this, the understanding of it. Uh, 
God is a covenant God. And he is a covenant keeping God. Do you believe it? You talk about a faithful covenant keeper. God is the ultimate faithful covenant keeper. Psalm 89, you'd have to turn there, but Psalm 89, 34, he says, My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Can you count on God to keep his covenant and do what he said he would do? Deuteronomy 7, 9. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God that keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Covenant means something to God. It should mean something to us. Shouldn't it? Now, I want us to review a little bit. How many, I want you to hold up your hand and let me know. How many went through a marriage ceremony? You got married, you went through a marriage ceremony. And in this marriage ceremony were there vows or promises or commitments. I want to read you a traditional one. And I'll share the one, uh, some of some of what we use around here as well. Uh, the traditional says, so and so, do you take so and so to be your wedded wife, to live together in marriage? Do you promise to love, comfort, honor, and keep her for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health? And forsaking all others, be faithful only to her so long as you both shall live. (laughs) You even remember the right answer? (laughs) What does I do mean? I said, I will. Okay, what does I will mean? I will what? This, in God's eyes... Is covenant. You are entering into a lifelong covenant with this person. And it should be, it shouldn't just be done hurriedly in a corner somewhere. It should be done in front of God's people, in front of the families. Hmm? Without embarrassment or hesitation. Why? Because it has far reaching ramifications. We're talking about the joining of families. We're talking about one flesh. We're talking about possibly, depending on how long the Lord tarries, generations of people to come out of this union, possibly. Are you with me? And God is so invested and committed to his babies having the right home environment, growing up with love and stability and nurture and admonition that he wants there to be something rock solid. 
between these two people and between these two families? Covenant. Everybody say covenant. Covenant. And you can see why the devil has just uh, focused so much attention on destroying every marriage that he can. Because every marriage he can destroy, he destroys all that is connected to that marriage. Or disrupts it in some way. If the devil could, he would destroy every marriage represented in this building. And watching by inner, every every marriage. But he can't. He would have already done it. If he could. And a lot of folks know he's tried. But he can't unless we allow him to. And greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. If you won't quit, there's hope. I know it can be bad. I know folks can endure hellish situations, but don't give up. With the Lord, nothing's too hard. Nothing is impossible. Do you believe your God's big enough that nothing... Yeah, but you don't know Charlie. Nothing (laughs) is too high. Yeah, but you don't know her. Nothing, nothing is too hard, including that. Do you have faith in God, friends? Do you have faith in God? Well, he can heal a body. He can raise the dead. He can restore a marriage. He can resurrect. Somebody said it's dead. Yeah, but we serve the God of resurrection. There's nothing left, Brother Keith. It's dead. It's over. And so was Lazarus. (laughs) Dead. Stinky dead. (laughs) You don't understand, Brother Keith, my marriage. It stinks to the high heaven. It's been dead 20 years. So? You telling me God can't do it? It's just too quiet, isn't it? Yeah, it may be hard even for God. No, 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 no. He is the God of resurrection. He is. We've seen it. We've got testimonies, amazing testimonies. Terrible things that had happened. Awful things. Hurt, damage. People were twisted and warped in the, in the aftermath of what had happened. And yet, they're happy and serving God together today. We've seen it. Don't tell me it can't happen. I know it can. This is one of our uh, uh, quote from our marriage ceremony we use around here. That was the man for the woman, so I use it the other way around. Uh, Asking the lady, do you take so-and-so as God's choice for you to be your lawfully wedded husband, to be one flesh with you? They say, I do. Do you give your word as a Christian, as a woman of honor, that you will love him, that you'll have respect and submit to him, that you'll minister to him in all good things as the Lord enables you? 
Do you this day enter into a lasting covenant with this man that you will be a faithful wife to him so long as you both shall live? That is covenant. God sees it as covenant. We should see it as covenant. Now, what does it mean in keeping the covenant? And in this passage we read about, about the treachery and breaking the covenant. How do people break the covenant? Some things may seem apparent, but I want you to see that there are two main ways that people are committing in marriage covenant. You Like the traditional uh, marriage vows, the one that I mentioned there, oh, there are, I guess, thousands of variations, but you'll hear these two things over and over, no matter how they say it and how they approach it, they are committing to love that person and be faithful to that person. Now those two words are big and they cover a lot of things, but those two things are where the commitment is, to love and to be faithful. Before we go further into this, let's go to Matthew, the 19th chapter. I want us to talk about God's part in this covenant. Matthew 19, verse 3. The Pharisees came to Jesus, tempting him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? For every cause. They, they were practicing that you didn't really have to have a good reason if you just went through the paperwork, you know, and divorced them. For every cause. Um, every cause. It's kind of like irreconcilable differences. What does that mean? It can mean anything, right? It could mean anything. And that's what they're saying. Every cause means any reason. Is it okay to divorce your spouse for any reason? That is the general mentality in today's society that, hey, it's just not working anymore. I'm not having fun. (laughs) They're not either. So why ride a dead horse? I mean, life's too short to waste fussing and fighting. So basically, any reason is an acceptable reason to divorce. And they're asking Jesus, isn't that right? Verse 4, he said, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Verse 5. And for this cause a man shall leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they twain, they two, shall be one flesh. Verse 6. Wherefore there are no more two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together let not man put asunder. What marriages was he referring to as he's talking to them? 
You think these Pharisees and Sadducees, all of them knew much about being led by the Spirit? As they were courting? As they married? Well, this is before people could be born again. This is before people could be filled with the Spirit. Is he saying God was involved in their marriages? What God has joined, what's he referring to? What God has joined. Now, the devil uses the same deceptive thoughts on all of us. I don't know at the times. I have heard Christian people, word faith people, tongue-talking, confession-making DVD playing. (laughs) Say, well, I think we missed God. I think we missed God on getting married. And they look at you like it's something new. And they just have no clue how many times we've heard that. (laughs) Yeah, we missed God. Because, you know, there's no way, you know, this is God. And all the trouble we've had. No way it can be God. If there's trouble. (laughs) Now we've already established. Why there's trouble. Huh? Flesh. Who's got flesh? Everybody's got flesh. Which explains why there's so much trouble. But. uh, This thing about. No, you know, we missed God. And so then that seems to cinch it for people that it's okay to quit trying, give up, start the divorce proceedings. Why? Well, because, you know, we missed God. We're not even supposed to be together. That's mighty convenient. I said that's convenient. I know... uh, Having been able to uh, minister at Rama Bible Training Center for years, we'd have orientation. They'd introduce us instructors, and sometimes we'd be allowed to say a few things. And, and sometimes you're looking at a bunch of people, and uh, they hadn't even started classes yet, and they were so excited. I was there at one point, and I saw a lot of classes come through. So excited. And uh, more than once, I would ask them, did the Lord bring you here? And they go, yes. <laughs> Are you sure the Lord brought you here? Oh, yes, yes, yes. He's worked miracles to get us here. Oh, it's the glory of God. Oh, I'm going to do the work of the ministry. I'm going to serve God. Oh, yes. I said, Are you sure <laughs> the Lord has brought you here? And I'd ask, I just ask it too many times until they'd look at you like, I said, yes. <laughs> I said, are you sure? They look at you like, what? (laughs) Yes, I'm sure. Why would I keep asking? I said, because either in a few days or a few weeks or a few months, something or a combination of things will arise to get you to question that. Because like Brother F.F. F. Bosworth said, faith begins where the will of God 
is known. That's another way of saying Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing what he has said. Faith stands on the known will of God. And if the enemy can shake you on whether it's God's will or not, you're in trouble. You cannot stand anymore. The moment you begin questioning whether it's God's will for me to be healed or not, you can no longer have faith to be healed. The moment you begin questioning, well, is it God's will to help me pay this bill or is it not his will? You can no longer have faith to get your bills paid. The moment you begin questioning, well, maybe we're not supposed to be together. You're done. You can no longer have faith to recover. And the devil knows this, which is why he goes for this again and again and tries to sow these these little thoughts and these little feelings. And well, if you were supposed to be together, how come this and and why this and and if you're supposed to be together, why does he do this and didn't do this? And why is she like that? And, and how come? If he can get you to just start thinking about and questioning that, already the foundation of your faith is eroding. And without faith, I don't care who you are, without being able to believe God for your marriage, how are you going to make it? No, friend. God knew you and them, talking about your spouse, before you were born. Y'all going to be with me tonight or yeah, help me out? He knew you. He knew. Now here's the thing. Those who are born again, they are predestined. Remember the scripture talks about this? What does that mean? God knows the end from the beginning. He knew you'd say yes to him. Even while you were running around acting like a heathen, he knew. He knew. When you were trying to go to hell, he knew. You would come around. You would say yes. You would. And he knew what you would need. And the, the, your, your spouse, your partner, he knew them. He knew they would say yes. He knew what they would need. And this is so big. Now think about how big this is. We're talking about possible generations of believers from a union. All of their lives and the plan of God for them. And you think he's going to stand by and just let it all go topsy-turvy and just roll the dice and see what happens? When thousands up to millions of lives and generations and the plan of God is involved? Let me ask you a question. There are some people I'm sure... You know, right now, trying to convince themselves that we weren't supposed to get married. We missed God. We were never supposed to get married to start with in the first place. Okay, let's let's rewind. (laughs) Back to the day of your marriage. The day 
you got married. And I want to ask you, on the day of your marriage, do you believe God put you together? Yes. <laughs> you were moon-eyed. You might know what moon-eyed means? You're, you're like, oh, yes. Oh, it's so wonderful. It's amazing. Yes, I know God divinely ordered us to. And now, now, now you missed God? And they're not even supposed to be together. The devil has told that to practically every married couple in here. Do not fall for this lie. Do not believe it. Well, we weren't even trying to serve God then. I know. Isn't it amazing? The mercy and grace of God. We were saved, but we couldn't find the front door. Didn't know one thing from another. I know, isn't God merciful and gracious? He knew. He saw the end from the beginning. He knew you would need them. They would need you. He'd have this. She'd have that. He knew his plan for you, for the family. People are interested in other people, and they might have developed a relationship. But you don't just... You know, off the cuff, if you got any sense, you don't just go, yeah, let's enter into a lifelong covenant today. (laughs) Not doing anything else. (laughs) No, why did you click with them? Why were you so infatuated with them and them with you? No. God joined you. Now, is it possible for man to separate what God has joined? Obviously, it is. And a lot of folks have made such a mess. And like we said, I mean, I know some folks have made some mistakes in time past in this room, but we're not looking back. We're talking about now. We're talking about the future. Right? We're talking about do it. Maybe you made some mistakes, but you're going to do it God's way now. Right? You're going to close the door to the lies of the enemy. You're going to put a, you know, you ought to put your foot down right now and put a stop to this junk about we're not supposed to be together. You may not have been having any fun, but that doesn't prove that you're not supposed to be together. Look back. Like I said, on the day of your marriage. Or prior to that, when the proposal was made and accepted and all those things, if we had asked you then, would you have hum hawed around? No, 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 no. God has joined. Does God join people together? Jesus, we're quoting Jesus. Does God join people together? Can you mess up what he has joined? You can should you? No. Oh, it'd be how foolish. There's more going on than how you feel. Phyllis and I, you know, you've heard us talk about it. We've had challenges at times, especially in times past. But we've been in the ministry now for, for 30 years. And any time that we've been tempted or had challenges, 
one of the first things that comes to our mind is we've got to make it through. People are counting on us. The ministry, our partners, our friends. Huh? We got, got babies in the nursery. Counting on us. Well, then that means I got to be a man. And do what needs to be done. She's got to be a woman. Do what needs to be done. We, we just need to get it together. And get rid of some flesh. Because uh, how selfish of me would it be to say, forget my partners, forget the church, forget the future of this and that, forget that. The thrill is gone. <laughs> thrill is gone and I'm looking for some fun. Friend, in just a few more clicks of the clock and calendar, we're out of here. Do you know that we're out of here? We have such a brief window to get in here and do our job. Let's grow up. Let's quit being such babies. So weak and whiny. And let's endure hardness if we need to. As a good soldier. Right? Right? And report for duty and, and stay you post and let's get this thing done because soon and very soon it's going to be over. It's going to be it. This is the briefest thing we'll ever do. It is so brief. I, I asked the Lord one time some years ago because you just see so much pain in the earth. So much, so many evil things and, and so many innocents being hurt and destroyed and and uh, the love of God in me is bothered by that it bothers me and, and one day it dawned on me well what about the father God that's where I got this love for what and I just I just asked him I said how do you endure it I'm sensing a measure of that love you are that totally how do you Tolerate the evil and the pain in this planet. And just like that, he spoke to me. He said, son, it's very brief. I thought on that for weeks. Because he answered me, how do you tolerate it? From his perspective, it's a flash. Yeah, yeah there's some pain, there's some discomfort, but now you see it, now it's gone. Yes. They're in the earth, they're out of the earth. It's over. And we're told to have a soldier mentality. Hmm? Can we stay our post? Can we endure some discomfort to get our job done? And can we believe God that even if it's bad, it can get better? And honor the covenant. Somebody say covenant. Honor the covenant that we entered into with our spouse. Does God join people together? Yes. Yes. Even before they know him. Before they have a clue about the plan. Any of that. We're predestined. Go back to this. When people are making commitments in covenant. 
I gave you two areas. Do you remember them? What they're doing in these commitments. These two main areas. You know that you hear all the different phrases. Uh, to hold, to cherish, to honor, uh, forsaking all others. Uh, that is love and faithfulness. You're committing to love that individual. Now love is not a feeling. It affects feelings, but it's not a feeling. God's not a feeling. He's love. When you're committing in the covenant to love that person, you're committing to value them. You're committing to value them. And to treat them as precious and important. And usually when people are getting married the infatuation is there and it's all it's new they don't hesitate have no problem in asserting I will always treasure you I will always value you that's love somebody say love and the other part is the faithfulness I will always be faithful now that's It takes how long to say that? How long does it take to say, I will always be faithful to you? But what kind of covenant is this? It's a lifelong covenant. Faithful is a commitment. When you say, I am committing to love you, you're saying, I am committing to value you. You will always be important. Me and I will value you. Secondly, faithful means you can trust me and you can depend on me. He mentioned the man had broken covenant with his wife there in that second chapter of Malachi, and he mentioned treachery. Treachery has to do with betrayal. Now, As we go over these basic things, if you've missed it, if you've made mistakes, if you haven't repented, you need to repent. But condemnation won't do you or anybody any good. Even if you have broken covenant, if you have failed to love or failed to be faithful, do you believe God can restore you? And you, instead of a covenant breaker, you can become a covenant keeper. And you you can love. And you can be faithful. Is it possible? Don't let the enemy tell you through condemnation that you you can't be. You can be. Israel broke covenant with God numerous times. How many times did he take them back and restore them and forgive them and give them another opportunity to keep the covenant this time? He's very gracious. Very merciful. Very faithful. But it should be exciting for us to believe that like God, we can be faithful to keep covenant. We know He will never stop loving us. We will always be valuable and precious to Him. He will always care about us. And that is an anchor to our soul. Isn't it? And we know he is the faithful God 
that keeps covenant, he will never lie to us. He will never deceive us. He will never betray us. Will he? Never. Never. He is the faithful God who keeps covenant. And that is what marriage covenant is supposed to be. In a world full of curse and topsy-turvy, the home can be a rock. Come on now. When the man knows, he can trust his wife. She, no way would she lie to him. No way would she take sides against him and betray him. And no way is she going to discard him and say, I don't value you anymore. See, that's part of what it, in, in Malachi 2, it was saying the treachery. When it said, God says, I hate divorce, literally, it's I hate putting away. And I can see in that phrase, throwing away. Somebody that you stood up with in front of God and families and entered into covenant. And then they're going to turn around and say, I'm throwing you away. You are no longer valuable to me. That's cruel. I said, that's cruel. And God hates that cruelty. How many would say in your heart, you will not be such a cruel individual? No reason to ever be. And if the wife can know that her husband will never stop valuing her, she will always be important to him. She will always be precious to him. And if she can know, he will never lie to her. And he will never betray her behind her back. If that is there, it's a rock. I said it's a rock. No matter what else is going on in the job, in the world, you can come home and you know you got something. Come on, are you listening? And the children, even though they don't know it, the infants, the little ones, the sucklings, the crawling babies, they don't know all this stuff, but their spirit can sense that stability, that love. Come on, are you listening? And it keeps them from having all these disorders and problems that so many little ones have nowadays. And as they grow up, they don't even realize it. But even if they say some stupid things or do some stupid things, they know there's a rock at the house. Christ the rock and dad the rock and mom the rock. Come on, are you listening? And they will never stop valuing you. Never lie to you or betray you. If you're going to keep covenant... You must love and you must be faithful. When you think about faithful, so many times people think about affairs. And a lot of people have had affairs and messed up. God forgives. The faithful part involves so much the honest part. Because if you never, ever told your spouse a lie, it would be really hard to have an affair. (laughs) Where were you? Well, I was talking to somebody that I shouldn't have been talking to, 
about things that I shouldn't have been talking about. That's what happens before the bed. And if you never, ever hid things or concealed or lied, it'd be most difficult to go too far. People have lied. People have deceived. But friend, you must come to hate it because it's devilish. The devil is a liar and he is the father of it. And it's devilish to deceive, to hide, to cover. You, you can't have a marriage covering, hiding, and lying. You just can't. It doesn't come out now, it come out later, and so many times it's worse when it comes out later. And Ask God for mercy, ask God for grace, and put it on the table. Because if you're lying and deceiving, you're breaking covenant. Because that's what you're telling them when you're saying, I'll be faithful to you. You're saying, I will not deceive you. I will not betray you behind your back. You can trust me. You can count on me. This is covenant we've entered into. I know it's a little quiet. I know these things can be uncomfortable. But listen, friend, if you can't talk about it, it's not fixed. And we're not talking about if you've messed up, you're doomed forever. We believe in the power of the blood. We believe in God's forgiveness and his cleansing. But if you want to be free, you have to change. Don't you? The truth will make you free. And you have to make up your mind, I will not be a covenant breaker. I will not be treacherous. I'm going to keep my covenant. I'm going to do what, in a few days it's going to be over. I'm going to keep my covenant. I'm going to love my spouse. I'm going to love my kids. I'm going to love my grandkids. I'm going to love. What does that mean? That's not always about feeling. That means you treasure them. You value them. And that love prompts you to do all kind of things. To help. Somebody say thank you Lord. If these are the things that are involved in keeping covenant, love and faithfulness. What is involved in breaking the covenant? What's the opposite of love? Well, the Bible says if you, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. It goes back to the roots, and the root is selfishness. The opposite of love is selfishness. I've heard a number of people say, well, the biggest problem in marriages is lack of communication. I disagree. You can be communicating perfectly and destroy your marriage. You can tell them exactly how you feel. (laughs) Find the perfect words and describe it perfectly. I hate your guts. I can't stand to be in the same room with you. Did you understand that? (laughs) And they say, well, I hate you more. I can't even stand to look at you, much less be in the same room with you. And they're communicating. And they're being honest. And there'll be nothing left. They keep going. 
Now, selfishness is the enemy. There's only one law concerning marriage in the new covenant. It is the law of love. It is the New Testament commandment. Now, selfishness and flesh are one and same. And such will have trouble. Why? Because of the flesh. Or because of selfishness. Self-mindedness is the big culprit in this. Because without realizing it, people follow the temptations and thoughts and feelings of the enemy. So to think on how everything is affecting me. How I'm having to live with this and how I'm not getting this and what I'm feeling and what I'm going through and what I'm needing that I'm not getting. And friend, this is devilish. And there's no excuse for it. Now people have done it without realizing what they're doing. But the great love chapter 1 Corinthians 13 It brings up love, suffers long, and is kind while it's suffering long. And among other things it talks about, it does not seek its own. If you grow up in God, you just less and less think about how anything impacts you. Are y'all with me, friends? Some years ago, I was laying in the floor, praying about some stuff, and I was quite unhappy and disturbed. And I had been for some time. And I finally got quiet, and I'm just laying there. And the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me, he said, Keith, if you'll just forget about you, most of your problems will just go away. I thought, wow. And I began to analyze that. And I began to see what he was talking about because I was upset because of how this affected me. And I was upset because of how this made me feel. And and I was upset because of how I couldn't do me, how it, it affected me. He said, if you just forget about you, about how anything affects your impact. If you just forget about it, this will just leave you the pressure, the the temptation to fear and, and worry and to be uh, discouraged, depressed. You show me anybody depressed, discouraged, distraught. I don't even have to know the details. This is what they've been doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. They've been thinking about yeah. a lot. How this affects me. How this makes me feel. But love. Thinks night and day about how my actions affect others. The impact my presence, my words, my actions are having on everybody around me. Selfishness doesn't think about the impact of my words on you. It only thinks about your impact on me. 
I know I taught on walking in love some years ago. And after a whole week of it, a lady came. She caught me and said, oh, Brother Keith, this is exactly what I, I've been telling these people for months. They're supposed to walk in love with me. <laughs> I said, no, no, you can't hear for them. This is for you. We're not to judge the other person. We're to judge ourselves. Tell me two major components of keeping your covenant in marriage. Love, faithfulness. Two big words. Will you get your mind off of yourself and focus on valuing them? Well, I just don't feel. Quit talking about how you feel. Can you value them as a human being? Can you value them as a child of God? God values them. Right? Yeah, but no yeah buts. Can you, will you value them? Will you treat them as important? As valuable? Ask the Lord to open your eyes and help you see them the way he sees them. Do you want to do that? Say it out loud. Father God, God, open my eyes. eyes. Help me to see the way you see. See my spouse, my family, to see people through your eyes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, Jesus, his own family spoke disparagingly of him. People in his own hometown, why? Because they judged him after the flesh. They didn't see who he was what he was on the inside. This is the carpenter's boy. Who is he? What does he think he's doing? Because all they could see was the flesh, the external shell. That's all they could see. Surely we're spiritual enough to see more than the shell. There is an amazing, made in the likeness of God, eternal spirit inside that body. And they, you have not seen everything they are and everything they will be. You have not seen. They're going to shine like a star in glory. Your spouse. She ain't shining much right now. (laughs) And how much are you shining? Come on now. We're supposed to be people of faith. We don't walk by sight. We look not to things that are seen. Value, treasure, and faithful. Uh, Go with me to Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3 and uh, 12. We touched on this, but I want to spend a little bit more time. Hebrews 3.12 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Unbelief is evil in God's eyes. Unbelief is this hopeless, don't believe it can happen, don't believe it can be fixed, no way, no how, give up spirit. It's evil. 
And you and I know better. I said we know better. And verse 13. But exhort one another daily. While it's called today. Lest any of you be hardened. Through the deceitfulness of sin. Say that last phrase out loud. Hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Hardened through the deceitfulness. Deceitfulness. Deception. Now the main tool the devil has to work against us is his deception. And do not underestimate it. He is very clever. He's been doing this for generations. And he's so slick at it that most people don't even see him coming. Don't even realize it's him feeding this stuff to them. But the devil is the father of falseness, which also makes him the father of fantasy. Fantasy. This has been a culprit that has been key in the destruction of many marriages. Fantasy. He said hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Yielding to things that are false. Hardens you. Dulls you. Anybody that's been in the ministry any length of time. You'll know that it's astounding how otherwise highly intelligent people get so blind. You can try to talk to them sometimes and they spout some of the most incoherent, irrational stuff. And otherwise, they're smart, bright people. How did they get so hardened and darkened? Sin does that to you. It deceives you. It dulls you. And the devil is the father of fantasies. Fantasies. You know, sometimes you hear people use the word in different ways, but fantasy and fantasizing is not good. It's not real. But what the enemy wants you to do, everybody, is to look on the other side of your pasture how the grass is greener. On the other side. And what he works to get you to do. Is to compare. A situation you know quite a bit about. To a situation you know absolutely. Nothing about. Until he can convince you. That the fantasy. That you imagine. About how it might be with this person. Or how it might be in this situation. If you meditate on it long enough. He can convince you. That that is real. And it would really be like that. But it's not real. I said it's not real. It's fantasy. And there are so many. People of God included. That are throwing away something real. For something that is not real. It's a fantasy. I remember one of the first 
marriage counseling I did back years ago, a couple came in and uh, uh, through the course of the discussion, one was very upset with the other about what their relationship was not like these other people. And I thought, well, you know, I don't know who these people are, but I listened to this for 45 minutes, and I finally said, well, who is that? <laughs> well, it was the stage names of actors in a soap opera. Wow. Yeah. Oh. And he wasn't treating her like Brad was treating Angela <laughs> on such and such drama. <laughs> I just looked at him and I said, guys, do you not know that's not real? <laughs> this is not the first time I've heard it. People, you know, they were so blown away by this movie and the relationship that he had with her and she had with them. And that's what they pictured as the ultimate and they thought they would have that with their spouse. And it's just a lot more Monday through Friday than, <laughs> than they saw on the silver screen. <laughs> and wow, this is not what I... Come on, we got to be smarter than this. Huh? When leading man finishes the act with leading lady... The director goes, cut! <laughs> they go back to their trailers. And many of them are absolute basket cases on their 10th marriage and don't even really know who they are, what they are. That's reality. Not the show, not the movie. It's a fool. That throws away something real for something that is not even real. Fantasy. Oh, it's, it's so easy to look over. And your spouse has just been a pain. <laughs> and they have so many faults. And they just need to grow so much. And you see somebody across the way. Or somebody you know or somebody that you work with or whatever. And they're just amazing. They're amazing. Why can't my spouse be like them? You don't know them. You spend 20 years with them. Change diapers in the middle of the night. And do all the other varied things. And see how moon-eyed you are over them. So the only other alternative is just go from person to person till the new wears off. I call it the intoxication of infatuation. Your flesh, I'm not talking about your neighbors, I'm talking about yours. Your flesh wants to get high all the time. They know Brother Keith. Yeah. Yes, it does. It wants that high. It wants that rush. 
And there are a myriad of ways to try to get your fix. But the Bible tells us and warns us the eyes of man are not satisfied. It doesn't make any difference what you do. The new will wear off. Amen. Hmm? Amen. And it was a joint today, but it'll be pills and snorting tomorrow. And it was a fifth and then it'll be three and it was a fair and then it'll be three and four. And you wind up doing stuff you never imagined you would do trying to get that next infatuation fix. You, me, you can't trust this flesh any further than you can throw it. It'll do. I know you're born again. I know you're talking tongues, but your flesh didn't get born again. It's the same flesh you had before you got born again. And if you don't keep a tight rein on this thing, come on, are you listening? It'll do anything you let it do. And if you do, you can ruin your life. You can destroy your relationships and your ministry and and be a fool. Let's have some sense. And let's trust God's judgment. If he joined us with somebody, he knew everything about them and everything about you. Come on, are you listening? And if it's his joining, there's grace. There's grace on that joining. For you guys to make it and get along and actually grow and and develop. How's it going to be any better with somebody else? You throw them away and you get somebody new. And if you don't have the same grace, the new is going to wear off. How many know the new is going to wear off? It can't be brand new. And see, that's what the writer in Proverbs was uh, warning his sons about. Did you notice he keeps warning them about the strange woman? Yes. Strange means unknown, unfamiliar. And that's what the flesh is vying for. Something I haven't felt before. Some drug, some drink, some, some relationship, some experience. Looking for that physical flesh high. And it's something how the devil has twisted sex so that he portrays, and people buy into this, even Christians buy into this, that sex is the ultimate experience in life. It is not. Husbands and wives should enjoy each other. But sex, if you think it is, it just shows you hadn't gone very far. Well, maybe you don't know what kind of sex we can have. Uh, It's physical. The ultimate experience cannot be sex. The ultimate experience is what God can do inside you. And if you've never touched it, it's just because you hadn't gone far enough. He can thrill you. He can take you to such highs. Such depths, such breadth. He loves you. He wants to express it to you. The devil wants you to get so caught up in the flesh, 
that you go year after year and don't pursue the spiritual. And one thing after another, you can become obsessive and addictive and it will not satisfy you. How many know the flesh cannot satisfy you? You can't eat enough. You can't drink enough. You can't have enough affairs to satisfy the inside of your spirit. Cannot. Impossible. Don't throw away something real for a fantasy. For something that's not that way. Have some sense. You don't know these other people. I assure you, they have flesh. And they have faults. Yeah, but they look amazing. Yeah. And they can gain 50 pounds by the end of the month. And your spouse could lose weight and shape up. So could you, or if that's all that's about. But I'm telling you, if you're fixated on that, you could have considered the most amazing physique in the world, and it can't stay new forever. And everybody ages. If you keep living, you're going to age. The alternative is you're not alive anymore. Right? Physical so-called perfection does not exist. It does not exist because the body has been affected by the fall and by the curse. Besides that, sex cannot be the ultimate experience. It is not. That's why so many people are disappointed. I've talked to people that messed up, that fail, that chase the fantasy. I've sat across the desk from them, crying out their eyes, thinking, oh, man, as soon as I did it, I thought, this is, this ain't the fantasy. The devil's counting on that. He has given us something real and something wonderful. Marriage, covenant, somebody that'll love you forever. That's real. Somebody that will be faithful to you. Got your back the rest of your life. That's real. And that's wonderful. And that's beautiful. And if you or they are coming up short in an area here or there, God can make it up. He can give you the grace to overcome, to reach this, to change this. To get. You can grow so much, they can grow so much, it's like you got somebody new this year. You can change so much, be so much more like the Lord, it's like you got a new husband or a new wife. It's possible. What are you supposed to do with vain imaginations? Cast them down, grab them and say, that is a lie. I don't got a clue about them or that. And throw it down and be smart. Flicker got one more thing. Can you take it? Exodus 15. Go over there and I think I'm closing with this. How do you keep the covenant? I know this covers a lot of ground, but it's it's simple too. Love. Be faithful. Be faithful. There's a lot of things, a whole lot of things about your relationship with your spouse that you should never discuss with anybody else. 
That's being unfaithful. And I just like running to my girlfriend. I like telling the guys. I like doing this. No, no, no. You made a commitment that you would not betray confidence. You want to be them to always know that you got their back. Right? You're on their side. You can trust them. I don't mean you have to approve of everything that they say and do. They can make a mistake. But just the general part of it, you got their back. You're on their side. You entered into a covenant with that. Now, Exodus 15 tells a story that describes a lot of relationships. Exodus 15, the people of God had been delivered out of Egyptian bondage. And in verse 23, they came to Marah. And they could not drink the waters of Marah because they were bitter. And therefore, they, the name of it was called Marah, which means bitterness. And the people murmured against Moses, and they said, what shall we drink? I'm sure they were convinced that what they needed was another water hole. Wouldn't you think? This one, water is poisonous. It's bitter. Poisonous. I need a new water hole. This one's bad. This one's ruined. Not only does it taste bad, it's poisonous. I cannot drink from this water hole anymore. So what do you need? People think you need a new one. You need a new water hole. Millions, including Christians, bless their hearts. They think, I need a new start. I need to move. I need a new place. I need a new home. I need a new man. Woman, I need a new friend. I need a new job. I need a new start. And so people just, they throw away their friends. They throw away their spouses and, and everything God gave them and then just launch out and and the problem is, not long after they get to their new place, they realize they're there. And they brought with them their junk. And that in not very long period of time, the new stuff is new no longer. And it has some of the same issues as the old stuff. And so you can run the rest of your life and you can jump from person to person and you can be miserable and never reach your potential. The proverb says, he that chases fantasies is a fool and he that chases fantasies will be poor. You can't uproot and go and uproot and go and uproot and go. You'll never build. You'll never accumulate. You'll never advance. You're supposed to Go where the Lord sent you and then stay where you're stationed. And you're supposed to accumulate and build upon year after year after year. Until if the Lord tarries his coming, there comes a time when you're old. You're biblically old. You and your spouse, you're so old, the old people call you old. But you're rich. 
You're rich in goods. You're rich in babies and grandbabies and great-grandbabies. And they all love you and they all respect you. Come on, are you listening? And the people you've done business with you love you and respect you. And all your church friends love you and respect you. And God has made you a tree of righteousness with big branches and big roots. And a lot of people have taken shelter under Instead of some little twig that jumps up and (laughs) bounces from pillar to post and never builds anything and never accomplishes anything because they're trying to find who they are and somebody that will fulfill me. That's just like an unsaved person. Just like somebody don't even know the Lord. It's ain't about what you can get. It's about what you can give. That's right. What you can, what you can sow, what you can do, and how many know the more you sow, the more it's coming back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. They were sure they needed a new water hole, but Moses cried to the Lord, verse twenty-five, and the Lord showed him a tree. Is there something special happened on a tree? Oh yeah. That tree, that cross, where he became a curse for us. So we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And so the blessing of Abraham could come on us. That blessing has the power to make the bitter sweet. Come on, do you believe it? He cried to the Lord. The Lord showed him a tree. And he cast that tree into the waters, and the waters were made sweet. This word sweet is interesting. The proverb talks about, don't go after a strange woman. Rejoice with the wife of your youth, and be ravished with her love. That word uh, ravished, the word sweet here, has a, uh, a comparative meaning. Sweet means to be relished, pleasurable, enjoyable. What was undrinkable becomes pleasurable and enjoyable. Is it possible? God could move in people's lives where they have destroyed what relationship that they've had and they've had nothing but misery and pain for months or years. Is it possible? Is it possible? By what happened on the tree? Come on, are you listening? By what happened when the one who took our our sins and bore our sicknesses and our pains and the chastisement, our vexation, he took it. I said he took it. And by the power of what happened on that tree, is God big enough that he can come in and make the bitter... Something you relish, something you enjoy, something that's pleasurable. You just enjoy sitting around with them. You enjoy seeing them in the morning. You enjoy being, you know, life is short. How many days you got left with them? Life is short. Time is clicking. You ought to smile. Say good morning. Enjoy talking to them. Enjoy 
being around them. Enjoy talking about the things of God and making your plans and stirring up your faith. And enjoy, enjoy. And the Lord bless you. You got somebody to enjoy it with. Enjoy, enjoy. Enjoy. Somebody say enjoy. Enjoy. Relish. Enjoy. Have pleasure. When you stood up and you entered into covenant, you made those commitments, entering into a lifelong covenant, there were not just two people involved. There was somebody else. Reminds me of the fiery furnace. I said it reminds me of the burning fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego thrown in there. Fire was so hot it killed the guards that threw them in. And the king stooped down and he looked in there and he said, Hey, I thought we threw three men in there in the fire. I see. There's somebody else in there in the fire with them. And because he was in there in the fire with them, they did not, they weren't destroyed. They weren't consumed in that fire, even though it was hotter than people had experienced before. They were delivered out of the burning fiery furnace and there wasn't even the smell of smoke. You may feel like you've been through the flood. You may feel like you've been through the fire. And you may have been through some stuff. But I want you to know the covenant you entered into with your spouse was not just between two people. The God you serve was with you. And when you made commitment to each other, he made commitment to you. Come on, are you listening? That he would be with you. And never leave you. He would love you. Come on, do you believe it? With an everlasting love. He made covenant with you. He has a part in your marriage covenant. And he will be with you in the fire. In the, in the challenge, in the trial, in the test. And if you won't give up, if you won't quit, if you'll just stand up and say, we're not alone. I know this seems hard, but we're not alone. Somebody's with us. And I just believe God is so big that before this is all said and done, we'll not even have the smell of our troubles and failures on us. Oh, stand up and give God praise. Oh, let's give him glory. Let's give him praise. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.